Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. I was actually sharing a devotion when a thought hit me. The Bible says ten thousands or myriads of saints will be with the Lord when he returns on a white horse. And that's when the thought struck me. I could hardly wait to finish the devotion that day. I found my Bible when finished and started looking. And oh, God showed me something that I'd never thought about before, never seen before. I want to share it with you today. Let's call this, I Saw My Name. And you know, my name is Ken Gurley. And all this week, we're talking about the future. I want to talk to you about your future home for a moment. John the Revelator was caught into that world. We know that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. We know he was on the Isle of Patmos, a prison island of sorts, banished alone. But John was in the spirit one Sunday morning. and God opened the heavens to him and what we call the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, John saw Jesus as he had never seen him before, not as a friend he walked with, not as the miracle worker multiplying bread and fish, not as the one who walked on seas or as the one who died at Calvary. John saw Jesus in a glorified state. In Revelation 4, John hears a voice saying, Come up here, what we believe to be a type of the rapture for all of us. When the dead in Christ hear the voice of the Lord saying, Come up here, when you and I are taken from this world. But before we look into that realm, I want to remind you of something. I think it's going to help you understand the revelation that I had just a few days ago. Do you remember that James and John, these two brothers, these two disciples, who with Simon Peter were part of the inner band of the apostles? We are told that James and John were the sons of Zebedee, but their mother had a part to play as well, a vital part, because their mom asked Jesus if her boys could be enthroned with him, seated on his right hand and on his left. Jesus told her that she did not know what she was asking. She just didn't know. Keep that in mind a moment. I want to come back to it. So in Revelation 4.1, when he hears that voice come up here, a picture of the rapture for the living child of God, picture of resurrection for those who sleep in Jesus. We don't fear the future. We don't fear death. Randy Alcorn once said, the day I die will be the best day I've ever lived. Why? Because our hope extends beyond this life, beyond this earth, beyond this moment. If you're missing heaven in your life, you've missed life itself. Paul said if we had hope in this life only, we would be of all men most miserable. To confine your life, your existence, your meaning, your purpose to the here and now only is to deny that our true citizenship and existence is in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. John Don once said, no one ever saw God and lived, and yet I shall never really live until I see God. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. There it is seen forever of his saving grace. Jesus called that place my father's house. Just before leaving his disciples, he said, you won't see me for a while, but I go to prepare a place for you that heaven is being prepared for us and with us in mind. 
when the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven to a new earth, its beauty is compared to a bride adorned for her husband. We have streets of transparent gold, 12 gates of pearl, 12 foundations of precious stones. A little girl was taking an evening walk with her father, and wonderingly she looked up at the stars and exclaimed, Oh, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side look like? How beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. I'll just throw out some descriptions that we find in Revelation. I read of mansions, and trees, and river of life, fountains of water, animals, altars, fire, coals, crowns, rainbows, thundering, lightning, clouds, lamps, a sea of glass, singing, worship, precious stones, diamonds, pearls, walls, gates, fruits, trumpets, temple, palm leaves, palm trees, and innumerable other things. But most important is that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the creator of all, the Savior of all, will be there. John was commanded to write about this place, taken from the Isle of Patmos into the courts of heaven. This postman from Patmos penned letters to seven churches describing what he saw and the message to each of them. As he moves through the book of Revelation, he sees the plan of God unfold in the last days, the rise of false prophets and antichrists. He witnessed the Lord return, and he sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to a new earth. The present heaven, that's where the Lord is. The present heaven, that's where the souls of the saved reside. The present heaven is the place we speak of when a believer falls asleep in this world and awakens in the presence of the Lord, the present heaven is where the souls of men await the great resurrection. But when I say heaven, I'm speaking of the heaven that is to come, the abiding eternal home for every child of God. I've gone through the Roman catacombs. I've seen the places where the bodies of martyred Christians were buried. I've read inscriptions on those tombs that read like this. In Christ, Alexander is not dead, but lives. One who lives with God. He was taken up into his eternal home. Pictures on the catacomb walls and the necropolis portray heaven with beautiful landscapes and children playing and people feasting. In AD 125, at the height of the Roman persecution, a Greek named Aristides wrote to a friend about Christianity and he explained, why this new religion was becoming so successful, so expansive. He said, if any righteous man among the Christians pass from this world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God, and they escort his body with songs and thanksgiving, as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. Cyprian said, we regard paradise as our native land. That may sound foreign to us today, Christians today don't talk much about a future home. We talk of this world as if it's our lasting abode. We speak of successful techniques for living abundantly, but we're silent nearly on living eternally. The moment matters, but not the eternal to the modern Christian. It seems that from about John Calvin's day onward, 
Christianity just nearly turned its back on heaven. In his lengthy institutes, Calvin devotes little time to the subject of heaven. In Niebuhr's Nature and Destiny of Man, he says nothing about heaven. In Shedd's three-volume Systematic Theology, 87 pages can be found about eternal punishment. Only two are found about heaven. In his 900-page book, Great Doctrines of the Bible, Lloyd-Jones devotes less than two pages to heaven. Burkhoff's classic Systematic Theology gives 38 pages to creation, 40 pages to baptism, but only one page, 737, to the subject of heaven. The soul of man lives shortly on this earth, but lives forever and ever somewhere, but only page 737 talks about it. You won't find in today's Christian vernacular the certainty of judgment, the longing for heaven, the dread of hell. These are not prominent considerations in our modern discourse about the important matters of life. But Jay Conyers said, but they once were. We once sang, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. It's in a moment of absolute transparency, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Now, this world is not my home. All right, let me, let me step away from that soapbox just a moment and share with you what I saw a couple of days ago. I told you to look at those 10,000s of faces coming with Jesus. And I hope in that crowd you see your own face, your future self. It hit me. Oh, how it struck me. Do you know Revelation 21, John saw some things that were staggering. In the next to the last chapter of Revelation in the Bible, he saw that great four-square city. He sees 12 gates on the north, south, east, and west. And he starts noticing something. He sees that on each gate is the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. It must have taken John's breath away. But then he notices something else, the foundations, the 12 foundations of precious stones, and he sees the names of the apostles. And following the order of the apostles listed in Scripture, first would be Simon Peter, then his brother Andrew, third James, and maybe John, it took his breath away. He said, there's my brother James. And what must it have seemed like all eternity? The angel finally takes John to the fourth foundation. There, the precious stone was emerald, green, the color of grace in Scripture. And there he sees a name. John sees his own name inscribed in the emerald green foundation. The John of the past sees his name in the future. And he says, my name is there. All of us can say that. Our names may not be on the foundation stones. Our names may not be on the gates of the city, but our name can be found in the Lamb's book of life. There's a new name written down in glory. It's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. But I want you to notice something else. Right when John was caught away into heaven in Revelation 4, he sees 24 people on the thrones in heaven, casting crowns at the feet of Jesus, 24. 
Most scholars would say that was 12 for the 12 tribes of Israel, then 12 for the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And do you remember the request of James and John's mother? Let my sons be enthroned with you. Can you imagine that day as John is standing in a world caught away from Patmos? He sees the representatives of the 12 tribes. But then he looks at the faces of the apostles, who by that time were nearly all martyred. Only John was the last alive. Can you imagine him seeing Simon and Andrew? Then he sees his little brother, who's already gone, and he sees himself, his future self. I wonder, I wonder if you saw your name written in heaven, would it make your patness all the more bearable? I wonder if you realize that you have a place reserved for you in another world, that God is preparing a place just for you. If it wouldn't make this present season in your life not only tolerable, but endurable, that you could see this time through your life, that somehow it would inflame and it would empower your passions to say, I'm going to make this time count. Because I know my name is written in glory. I know there's a place reserved for me. How did you know that, John? I saw my name on the foundation. I saw my future self seated in one of the thrones before God's throne. My name is written in glory. And that's all I need to know to see it through this present life. And my friend, that's all you need to know. There's a new name written and glory. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.